Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's features are my stepmother is an alien and my boyfriend's back. I like my boyfriend's front more, but, you know, you gotta take what you can get. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Apologize if you pick up a bunch of, like, uh, pops and background noises. Because my other microphone is being such a shit. I'm using my, like, portable lapel microphone. Okay. Because the sound quality, fortunately, right now is better, even though it's the lowest quality microphone I own. Yeah, I'm getting a little little pop here and there. But. Oh, mo- most most certainly, but yeah, the, it's completely unavoidable. I I have to do everything I can do not to breathe in the direction of this thing. Yeah. Because, like I said, it'll pick up everything. Right. Did you do anything fun this week? Nobody shot out your windows or nothing? Nope. New car's working good. Didn't, didn't have to beat any teenager's ass for even looking at your car? And I'll tell you one thing that fucking drives me nuts. Our neighbors keep parking way too fucking far. I started parking on the street in front now yeah. since that happened. And my... My neighbors park two cars in front of the house and pull way too fucking far forward, and then I have to, like, back my car and all awkward just to fucking park in front of my house. <laughs> Shit drives me crazy. I mean, it would be so fucking easy for them just to park, like, three feet further back. Man, I should go over and tell them about it. I'm sure they'll be reasonable and... Yeah, totally. I doubt it. Accept your criticism. Yeah. In, instead, what I've been doing is uh, my new car has a backup sensor, so I've just been backing, like, right up on top of the person's car, so they've got, like, <laughs> Austin powers their ass out to get out of parking <laughs> in my yard. Ah. So they're I'm sitting over at their house. Yes. Yeah, so they're sitting over at their house being like, that motherfucker. <laughs> he always backs up oh, right into our car. How, how dare he park in front of his own house? <laughs> uh, I mean, I only I only do it if they're parked like half ass in front of my house. Otherwise, yeah. as long as they're over in their yard, I'll pull way far forward and give them plenty of room. But mm. fuck them. You're being too nice. That's the problem. Yeah, who? It could have been them that shot out my windows. I don't want to be too aggressive. <laughs> Like, fuck this guy. Let's bust his windows out on his new car. That's, that's all I'm saying. I'll come out and fucking a little Molotov cocktail in my car or something. Um, all right. Well, I guess should we just get started? Uh, 
I, I guess. Once again, Since Doug has been beat up Lando. by his kid. and Lando's been uh, anti-sleep lately. Yeah. I was going to say he's getting to the age where it's like, no, I bet people are up having fun. So I don't want to go to bed. Doug should just have him listen to the show and be like, see, I'm not having fun. Talking about bullshit yeah. is what I'm doing. Listen. Listen to this nerd shit. Listen to it. Sound fun to you? <laughs> They're talking about teeny tiny <laughs> Seth Green. <laughs> oh my god dude was like a munchkin oh my yeah did they put him in a fucking taffy puller like fucking Willy Wonka or some shit uh, um, well since we're getting into it uh, so this week we're doing my stepmother's an alien and my boyfriend's back part of our illustrious my series uh, which we previously did. My my mom's a werewolf, and my best friend's a vampire. Uh, so, do you want to? Since I know you are, you seem very taken with my stepmother as an alien. Uh, would you like to run and run my stepmother as an alien down? Uh, yeah. So, uh, Dan Aykroyd is a uh, what? What do they call it? A radio telescopist. Something like I that. Is, I think is what the the name of it is, where he's dealing basically with radio signals and sound waves in space and all that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, his brother is John Lovitz, and he's attempting to do a experiment of some kind where they're going to overcharge this powerful radio signal thingy, uh, combining it with a lightning strike in order to attempt to get the signal to go out of the solar system, which would have been an incredible feat. Uh, and instead somehow manages to shoot it two galaxies away, fucking up the gravity of another planet. The science doesn't make any sense. No. Uh, Q, Kim Basinger and her horrible purse worm thing, <laughs> who, who come to the planet to send another signal because apparently two two wrongs do make a right and if they just send the exact same signal it will fix their gravity which doesn't fucking make a whole lot of sense sure uh dan Aykroyd falls in love with her much to the chagrin <laughs> of his daughter allison hannigan who's so tiny as well to be fair i mean he falls in love with her in like an hour that he well I mean, let's be honest, the way they portray her in this movie, I think most guys would have been like, yeah, she's crazy, but I don't care. Yeah, I guess I'll marry her. Right. Uh, basically, Allison Hannigan's character figures out she's an alien. Conflict, conflict, conflict. And and then we have to send the signal and save everybody and all that kind of shit. So, two, two things about seeing this movie once or twice whenever I was younger and I must have watched it on TV both times mm-hmm. uh, because I do not remember it being as sexually charged as it actually is <laughs> I and didn't, I didn't the other either. thing and maybe it's just I'm older and I kind of get Dan Aykroyd's dad humor a little better now Mm-hmm. But it's way fucking funnier than I remember it being too. Like I was, I was cackling, laughing through most of this movie. Like I, I just fucking really enjoyed most of the humor 
especially the like Kim, uh, Kim Basinger learning about sex in about 10 minutes in a bathroom from basically just watching porn. <laughs> and then and then walking out in that that nighty and doing her weird like seduction porn walk to the bed and stuff it just that look on dan Aykroyd's face of what the fuck did i die <laughs> <laughs> what sort of miracle have i wandered into i just love that he kept hitting the back of his head on the on the wall the entire right. time I also like the joke of every time they have sex, she like sneaks off and does something and then it just pants back to the bed and he's always asleep with this giant fucking shitty grin on his face. <laughs> like just in the most peaceful sleep possible. It's funny. Uh, but, yeah. so what, did, what did you think? About the uh, I mean, I thought it was all right. I wasn't nearly as taken with it as you were, but I mean, it was fine. Um, Seemed like it was a lot longer than I remember. It is like an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah. Uh, but the only notable thing for me is uh introduces the world to the TV showmance that is Seth Green and Allison Hannigan. Because I think True. we all believe they should have been married in real life. Uh, it also introduced the world to Kim Basinger's nipples, <laughs> which are like weirdly visible for the entire second half of the movie. <laughs> yeah, you were commenting on that. I was like, Jesus. Well, so I watched that with Char, and I kept pointing it out. I was like, who fucking came up with this? Because she, she, there's that scene where after she saves Allison Hannigan, you know, and after the turmoil of them all figuring out she's an alien, mm-hmm. and she goes into the bedroom to talk to Allison Hannigan's character, and it's supposed to be this touching stepmom, stepdaughter moment. And she's wearing a sheer white top. Like, you can see straight through it. And so she's, you're trying to have this serious heart-to-heart moment with Kim Basinger's nipples just fully on display the whole fucking time. (laughs) And I kept pointing it out to Char, and I was like, look at that. And she goes, I don't know what you're talking about. I can't see it. I was like, how can you not (laughs) see? see it like they are so fucking visible it's ridiculous man someone was focused in well once once i saw it i couldn't unsee it and she wears that for the rest of the movie so from that point on she's in this see-through sheer white top (laughs) and apparently kim basinger has weirdly dark colored nipples it's a little odd (laughs) But she's hot, but it's distracting. It's distracting for the rest of the movie because you're trying to, like, pay attention to what they're talking about in the jokes, and instead you're just staring, being like, oh. Yeah. Well, I noticed that she uh, seemed like they may have kept the set a little chilly. Chilly and cold. (laughs) Keeping everything at attention. Uh, I just love that this is the stuff we're focusing (laughs) on. (laughs) well and because i was trying to figure out who this movie's for because the way Mm. it's done and the the like the way the humor is you'd think that this is supposed to be a family movie Mm -hmm. but but is it like (laughs) 
like I said, I don't I don't think it was an accident that Kim Basinger's nipples were visible through the second half of the movie. So is this a movie for adults? Because if it is, they probably could have leaned that way a little more. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot more sex humor than I would have thought. Um, yeah, it's not it's not nearly as kid friendly as I uh, remembered it being. Right. So, uh, see, I'm assuming you're like me. I think we we both probably saw this on TV, heavily edited. It's possible. I think I've only ever seen it once, so I don't even uh, don't even think I had a big grasp of sort of what it was, but. I mean, Amanda was excited because she said that she watched this movie a lot when she was a kid. So I uh, I was like, oh, it must be uh, lean a little bit more towards uh, kid friendly. And then we watched it and I was like, that's not kid friendly. Yeah, that is that is weird PG. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure the porn movies she watched had real porn stars in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I think that 100 percent was a real porn. Uh, well, I mean, it was very strategically shot that there was no nudity. Um, but when I saw the credits, I saw the, you know, female porn actress. Her name was Maxine, and that's it. Just one one name. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, she's a real-life porn actress. And I, I would like to know if you think this. Do you think the last joke of the movie is quite possibly one of the most disturbing jokes ever put in a film? Uh, what's the uh, last one? So earlier in the film, there was that weird thing where when Dan Aykroyd and the alien fuck for the first time because oh, she yeah. had seen in the video that there were fireworks. Somehow she like generated weird fireworks. Yeah. And at the end of the movie, her and Allison Hannigan take that few minutes to play a little game of one-on-one where she uses her powers to to allow Allison Hannigan to dunk the basketball, which is the dream she was talking about at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. But then she sneaks off into the house, and Allison Hannigan looks up, and we see the fireworks coming out of the bedroom again. Yeah, And Allison Hannigan is, like, giving the Mr. Miyagi approval nod. <laughs> And I'm like, but that means they're fucking. Why did they yeah. do that? Why, why do they have the daughter's like, mm, yes, they're fucking again. Ha 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 ha. This is good. Well, you have to remember, she was excited when she found out that he had a girl sleepover. Like the the morning after, you know, the first time they have sex, she, Kim Basinger comes walking in and Allison Hannigan's like, Oh my god, like you had a girl and is all happy for him. Yeah, but I'm saying there's there's a difference between being happy that your dad has found someone and is dating to actually like actively enjoy the moment of coitus that your parent is having. <laughs> eh. Do you know what do you know what I'm saying? I, I, like if if my mother died, and which uh, let's let's hope I perish before her because I I love that woman a lot, mm-hmm. and my dad started dating again, I'd be like, yeah, you go, dad. I bet that's her to your age. On the other hand, if I was sitting in the living room and I heard them fucking, I wouldn't be like golf clapping in the living room, like, oh yes, <laughs> beat it up. 
<laughs> Allow me to put on Cardi B's WAP. <laughs> uh, my friend Tim, like his mother passed away, and then a couple years later, his dad remarried. And I mean, they're like, this just happened a couple years ago. So, you know, they're older. And so for him, my friend Tim, it's weird that, you know, his dad's remarried just because it seems weird without his mom there. And so, of course, first thing I asked him, like, do you think they fuck a lot? And he's like, no, I don't know. I don't want to think about it. Shut up. (laughs) So That's, that's what I'm saying. You should never, there should never, ever, ever be a moment in a human being's life where they have to think about their parent or parents doing it. <laughs> like, it's it's bad enough that most kids at some point are going to get up and be doing their weird little kid wandering around the house in the middle of the night thing and walking on their parents doing something weird. It's traumatizing enough. I don't need <sighs> Shit. I don't even need, if, if I was having sex with... Uh, my my significant other and I looked out the window and a fucking young Allison Hannigan is just meowing <laughs> nodding at me. I'd be like, "What the fuck? Get out of here, Allison!" <laughs> You'd be like, "This is the greatest night of my life." I got the okay from like, young time traveling Allison Hannigan. Yeah, uh, thank you, thank you for the compliment, but get the fuck out of here, Allison Hannigan. <laughs> Bring bring me middle aged hot Allison Hannigan, not weird child <laughs> Allison Hannigan. Uh, did it seem weird to you that the entire movie uh, John Lovitz keeps trying to fuck his, I guess now sister in law, uh, and the fact that uh, Dan Aykroyd's characters pretty cool about it. <laughs> no kidding. I feel like uh, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I was talking to Char. When when John Lovitz kisses her at the wedding, and it's that weird, long, on-the-lips kiss, uh-huh. I was like, if one of my brothers did that, even if it was a joke, I would never talk to that motherfucker again. No. There would, be, there would be punches like, handed out. That's what I'm saying. That's It's so fucking, it's gross on this weird other fucking level of gross. <laughs> yeah. You don't do that shit. Although maybe maybe it's just a weird family thing. I mean, Allison Hannigan's digging her dad fucking. Brother's trying to fuck the wife. Dad <laughs> seems pretty fucking cool with it all for some reason. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I was wondering why there wasn't more more blowback on that. I mean, there's there's a good portion of this movie where you get the direct I mean, he almost says it where Dan Aykroyd's character is like, I don't care what the fuck you do as long as we keep having the sex. <laughs> it's like, but what if I do your brother? Apparently that was fine. I do like I do like the fact that they set up the, uh, oh, what the fuck is that fucking guy? Johnny Durante? Oh, Jimmy Durante, yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy Durante. They set up that Jimmy Durante thing like five fucking times and then at the end of the movie where they try to like save the world by doing the Jimmy Durante and then the guy's like hmm kill them all (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah so I read on the trivia apparently they got like permission from Jimmy Durante's widow or something to like have all that stuff be in the movie and 
Yeah. It's a weird thing to glom onto, but that is it is a weirdly specific reference for a whole lot of the movie to seem to be revolving around. Yeah. Fucking Jimmy Dur- <laughs> uh Star Studded. So we mentioned John Lovitz, Dan Aykroyd, Kim Basinger, Allison Hannigan, and Seth Green. Uh Juliet Lewis is in this movie. Doesn't say a single word. Isn't it I, I always find it weird whenever I see young Juliet Lewis mm-hmm. in a movie because she's always treated as one of the random pretty girls. And then anything past her teens, whatever you see her in a movie, all of a sudden it's like weird, freaky, skinny, uh, sexy in that I'll probably fucking stab you crazy kind of way. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm talking about? No, like, totally. You don't you, you do not think of uh, adult Julia Lewis as one of the pretty girls. Mm, yeah yeah it is uh it it definitely definitely is that uh yeah i could probably have sex with her she would yeah cut me with a knife like multiple times while we were doing it but it might it might be worth it (laughs) you're like she plays crazy in a lot of movies she does it just a little too good (laughs) Well, she's a Scientologist, so that should tell you just about everything you need to know. No one should ever tell me that again about anyone. All that does is ever make me sad. Yeah. Like, ah, fuck. Another Scientologist. (laughs) Yeah, trust me, I was pretty bummed when I found out Jason Lee was a Scientologist. Right. Because I really like that dude. And, uh... Sorry, just one second. Would you would you kick her out with you whenever you go back out there? She keeps rubbing on my microphone cable. Last thing I need is her to fuck up my other mic. Yeah, fucking cat. Told her. Uh, anything else about this movie? Oh man, I'm trying to think. The problem. The problem. See, this is the problem with Kim Basinger's nipples. They like fucking. They they drew so much attention while I was watching this movie that I was like, "Fuck, I can't remember anything that happened in this fucking movie." Now, it's funny. I remember laughing a lot. Uh, maybe the biggest problem is they're attached to Kim Basinger. Maybe she's very attractive, but after after her uh, marriage with uh, Alec Baldwin, not too sure. I uh, have a high regard for her. Not too sure I have a high regard for him either, but you know what? You know what doesn't go together? Baldwin's and high regard. <laughs> hey, like, Billy! Billy never hurt nobody. Listen, don't don't get it twisted. I think the Baldwins, for the most part, even even the lesser Baldwins, are all pretty fantastic actors. Mm-hmm. They all just also ooze douchebag. <laughs> yeah, completely. <sighs> all right. Um, well, I guess that takes us to my boyfriend's back. Hey, now. Hey, now. My boyfriend's back. Uh, so we are introduced to Johnny, who is our main character. Uh, and he's been in love with this girl that I can't tell. Does she live, like, across the street or... 
I don't know. Geography is not this movie's strong point. Small, small town. Small town. Um, so he's been in love with her since like first grade. Uh, he he wants to ask her out for prom, but of course, she's in a on again, off again relationship with a douchebag named Buck. Anybody named Buck is a giant douchebag. Fuck a Buck, unless it's Uncle Buck. And then even he's a douchebag. He's just a really fun douchebag. He's just a lovable douchebag. Um, so he, you know, Johnny's kind of upset because he never really gets a good chance to ask her if she wants to go to prom. Um, oh, uh, Buck is played by Matthew Fox from Lost fame. And one of his little, uh, henchmen is Philip Hoffman as he's listed in the credits. Matthew McConaughey once again (laughs) fucking star-studded movie they're all the the funny thing though is all these fantastic actors are all relegated to these minor parts yeah Matthew McConaughey is just a guy in a movie theater has one line that's a do you remember the name the the guy who plays the doctor what the fuck is his name I don't know he's one of those guys yeah because he you know who he it's the guy who I always look at it and I go, oh, it's Robert Carradine. And then I go, no, that's not Robert Carradine. It's that weird dude who looks weirdly like Robert Carradine. So I thought he looked a lot like uh, Joe Dante. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that kind of weirded me out. Um, so he comes up with Johnny comes up with this weird scheme because she works at the local convenience store that he's going to get his best friend to dress up as a robber. And he's going to go in and then his best friend will come in and like stick up the place, but he'll be like, you know, the hero and get the guy to like leave. So he'll essentially save her. And then she'll realize that she's in love with him and dump buck and they can go to prom together. Uh, and then what happens in a very Looney Tunes sort of way is a real robber shows up, takes his best friend's ski mask, goes in to rob the place and then when he tries to get tough with him, the guy, like, is kind of a hard-ass about it. And then he goes to shoot, uh, fuck is her name? Is her name Missy? Is that what it is? That sounds right. Melissa, something like that. He goes to shoot her, so our boy Johnny jumps in front of the bullet. And just as he's laying on the floor about to die, he basically tells her he's in love with her. And if she would go to prom with him... And she says, sure, because you're going to tell a dying person no. Um, so apparently this is enough for him to come back from the dead as a zombie, which doesn't seem to freak a lot of people out. At first, like people are like, what? And they're well, like, oh. I, I was going to say, I think that might be my favorite joke of the entire movie, that nobody reacts to him being a zombie. And the only people that are prejudiced of him being a zombie are basically small town people who don't like him just because he's different. It has nothing to do with him <laughs> being a zombie. Yeah, you can put that he had some weird transplant and now he's a black guy and you could have the same movie. Right. It would be weird. Um. So, yeah, he's back alive. His parents are just like, what? But then they're like, oh, okay, and perfectly fine with it. Um, Which, by the way, his dad is uh, Max, the uh, head vampire from Lost Boys. 
Yes, indeed. Uh, and so he goes back to school thinking, oh, well, me and uh, Missy, Melissa, whatever her name is, we're definitely going to prom. And then encounters the fact that maybe this isn't going to happen. And zombie hijinks ensue. So what did you think of My Boyfriend's Bag? I had a lot of fucking fun with it. <laughs> so there's there's three or four different things that I think make this movie way more watchable than it deserves to be. Mm-hmm. So there's the horror comic wraparound that they do, which is yeah. well done. I, I, I'm actually like super into it. I was like, OK, like that was a cool idea. It's like a, a nod to Tales from the Crypt and Vault Horror and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, that that running fucking gag of no one reacting to the zombie stuff is just fucking great. And it, it almost just gets funnier as the movie keeps going. Like when she's making out with him and she actually rips his ear off and she's just embarrassed that something happened. Not that his, you know, she's not upset that his ear fell off. She's she's upset that something awkward happened while they were making uh-huh. out. Or the fact that his dead ear is in her mouth. Right. Bull. Or like uh, when Chuck kills himself and he eats a little bit of Chuck and everybody's <laughs> freaking out. But like they're freaking out on this weird level of, you know, they they should be really upset. And instead, everybody's like, that's son of a bitch. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> how dare he? It's almost, but it's almost like. They're more mad at him for, like, desecrating a corpse than the fact that Chuck was alive and is now dead. Nobody seems to care that Chuck's dead. It's just like, dude, you're putting your face into his stomach and eating it. That's not cool, bro. I mean, whenever they show up, whenever the dad shows up to the doctor's office and Chuck's laying there dead with that axe sticking out of his head and the doctor's like, talk to him and he's like, well, you know, you don't have as good a pulse as we would hope to see. And there's an axe in your head. <laughs> and the guy's like, my son's dead. The doctor's like, I think I can make the diagnosis. <laughs> <laughs> Because once again, it's that weird, I don't, what the fuck would you even call it? It's almost like surrealist humor. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. It's Yeah, it's just this other, this tone of voice type thing that makes it so fucking funny. The same thing with the, uh, with Zombie Boy's mom, where, you know, at first she's a little nervous, but then immediately she's just full bore into okay with it her son's a zombie now and he needs to eat human flesh and she's gonna she's gonna make that happen fucking <laughs> bodies, bodies just start showing up that's what i'm saying she abducts a child and has the child like sitting on a bed of lettuce in the kitchen yeah the fucking guy in the fridge he's like where'd you get this from the mortuary there's apparently there's just lots of them just laying around <laughs> She's just like, they're practically giving them away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, the movie was fun. It's, I feel like it definitely tries that aw shucks, like, 1950s, but it's not set in the 50s sort of attitude to it. But then, yeah, right. just, hey, this guy's a zombie. Let's just, let's just run with that. Yeah, I think... The so the worst part of this entire film 
is I, I don't even know what the fuck his name is. The the dude who plays the main guy, the guy who plays the zombie. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Johnny Dipshit or whatever, yeah. whatever the fuck his name is. He is the worst actor in the entire film. Oh, poor Johnny. I mean, listen, he does okay, but I think the problem is they accidentally casted this movie really, really well. It makes him look terrible. Because mm. when it, when your side characters, your shitty side characters are Philip Seymour Hoffman and Matthew McConaughey, and, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, everybody fucking nailed it, and Missy's... Uh, Oh, what the fuck is that actress's name? Because she was in she was in the Fright Night sequel, right? Tracy Lind. Right? Am I crazy? She was from Fright Night 2 and a bunch of other stuff. She was from Fright Night 2. Yeah. And she was in class of 1999, which we reviewed. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. She was she was in a ton of B movies. Yeah. Her face is real fucking familiar if you like stare at it long enough, you're like, I know her from somewhere. Well the funny thing is Andrew Lowry, the main character was also in Buffy the Vampire Slayer the year before. Which, when wow. I was thinking of movies, I'm like, yeah, this and Buffy seem like they would go pretty well together. Yeah, yeah, they kind of would. Mm. I don't, I don't know. Like, like I said, I don't. Some, something about the humor in this movie works really, really well. But I think humor is such a subjective thing. I'm sure nine other people could watch this movie and be like, "This is really fucking stupid." Yeah, I'm sure Doug probably hated this. I just kind of get it. Or like the the scene where they come to basically kill him after Chuck's dead and the dad and all of his cronies break into the house and they're all talking. And eventually the mom like shows up with a shotgun and she's still like smiling and doing her weird mom <laughs> voice. And she's like, yeah. I will fucking shoot you. And he's like, you wouldn't shoot me. And she's like, get, get. <laughs> like shoots up and she's like, try me, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> You almost afterwards, you almost you almost would have expected her to be like, now, does anybody need some water or some Kool-Aid or something? That's <laughs> <laughs> so say, I don't know. It's just so fucking funny. And then the fact that the abducted child they had in the house turns out to be his other son. <laughs> <laughs> that dead guy was going to eat me. Uh, it's so good. Yeah, it was. Fucking, I'll talk. I'll tell you what, I think if I wasn't looking for Philip Seymour Hoffman, I don't know if I would have recognized him. Oh, my him. God. He's such a fucking ogre in this movie. Like, right? <laughs> and he, that, just the way he's wearing that baseball cat. And you fucking, he's doing like a fucking redneck guy voice. <laughs> I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> yeah, he was so funny. I was just like, Jesus, he's like a fucking troll or an ogre or something. It's just, he's got a really fucked up looking like face and yeah, the way he's got that baseball cap and just his general like body language is this entire movie. Yeah. It's so funny that he's the I'll kill you guy and he, you know, Philip Hoffman's so tiny. (laughs) He's like, he's a little dude. Yeah. But I feel like he's just got that, uh, got that, he's got that little guy rage that you, you could believe it. Right. God, so fucking, this movie's so fucking funny. <laughs> I, I mean, a lot of it, like, I think the ending is a little dumb. Oh, for sure. I don't, I don't particularly like him coming back. 
Mm-hmm. Although the knocking over the coffee joke is pretty funny. <laughs> now he knocks over the coffee. <laughs> well, and even whenever he's in heaven, they're like, he slips on a pot of coffee, and he's like, what? <laughs> he was supposed to fall on coffee? Yeah. Sometimes there's little snafus like that. <laughs> yeah, I love that they just... They're just like, yeah, somebody fucked up, so we're going to give you a chance to go back and redo it. And then he still ends up getting shot. Which is funny. I don't know. I, I just kind of, I wish the movie would have ended with him dying at prom, because that's actually kind of a pretty, I mean, it's it's. I think it's overly sentimental for a comedy. Sure. But, but it's a pretty apt, good ending. Like, mm-hmm. he gets to dance with her, and then he dies. You, you know what I mean? Like, that's... <laughs> Yeah, that's what he came back for, you know. Yeah, I would have been fine with that. A lot of people wouldn't probably, especially in 1993. They would have been like, "What?" I do like, I do like the first little bit of where he's in heaven, and like the the gate guy is berating him. Mm-hmm. He's he's like, when you die, you're supposed to come straight here. You're not just supposed to muck about for four or five <laughs> days. <laughs> <laughs> I like the gravedigger too. Whenever he first comes back from the dead, the guy's like, "Oh yeah, you're an undead. Yeah, you live in the graveyard now." He's like, "I'm not going to live in the graveyard." He's like, "Well, you can't go outside the graveyard. <laughs> Why not?" He just takes off running. You're, he's like, "You're undead, man. Come on now." Um, I don't know if you noticed because it was kind of hard to see, but I read the trivia beforehand that uh, Missy actually lives in this movie. In the Nightmare on Elm Street house. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she does. <laughs> yeah, you only get, like, one, like, real good shot of the house. And although if you miss it, you could easily you could easily not tell. But <laughs> since I knew, I was paying attention. And then every time they'd show, like, her bedroom window or something, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's totally the Nightmare house. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's funny because I have this horrible thing. I cannot recognize that house without the red door which is funny because it wasn't red in the first movie right right that's what i'm saying but once they once they started doing the red door thing i was like Mm -hmm. that's all that's the major feature of that house that always sticks out in my head uh well anything else about is my or is my party uh about my boyfriend's back uh i i think i really highly recommend that yeah, it does have a weird, fun sense of humor to it. Right. I I think it's it would be a good if you had like a girlfriend that was okay with dumb humor and horror stuff. It would be a good like date night movie. Mm-hmm. Just because it's it's funny, it's not over serious, and it's a little sentimental at the same time. Did uh, did your lady watch it with you, or was it? She she did. She watched that okay. one with me. I don't know if since the dude's ear fell off, if that might have been too much. Nope. Actually, that that one she made it through. I think the only the only part that she was like, ah, was the part where uh, Chuck hits himself in the head with the axe. <laughs> Not his his bloody stomach after he's eating him? Nope. One of the reviews I read for this was, it was like, it's weirdly gory. And I was like, I don't think you know what those words mean. No. Like... This is not a gory film. Yeah, I don't. There's a couple little gross out. I think the gross 
grossest, the grossest effect in the entire movie is whenever his nose is off. Mm -hmm. Because for some reason on that particular effect, they decided to like put viscera and stuff on the inside of it. And like cartilage, you know what I mean? Like the ear just looks like a fake ear. The nose actually looks like somebody's nose got ripped off. Um, yeah, I found that some people who are not super into horror movies have a different sense of what gore means than we do. Um, somebody asked me once if a movie was gory, and I was like, no, it's not gory. And then we watched it, and they're like, you lied. That was totally gory. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, there was like two scenes of like any actual blood in it. And he's like, yeah, that's gory. And I'm like, you're ridiculous. That's not what gory means. Yeah, I, I require in order for me to categorize something as as quote fingers gory, it either needs to have significant amounts of blood. And I mean, a lot of fucking blood or or it has to be more visceral. That's what is gore to me, like nasty chunky oozy body bits is gore you know rambo not gory robocop gory to a certain extent <laughs> like uh, you mean you mean when uh that he runs into that guy who's like melted from the toxic waste and he just sort of explodes onto his windshield well that and when murphy gets uh literally shot to pieces oh yeah that's fucked yeah, that's 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 gore. That's what gore looks like. That's just like exploding visceral mm. nasty pieces. That's that gets me. Like, hey, you want to see them shoot someone's hand and it explode on screen? We can watch RoboCop. Right. Yeah, but something something like Rambo that's bloody. There's there's quite a bit of blood and quite a bit of violence. It's it's not gory. That's not what gore is. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it also has something to do with a reaction. Like, Gore's supposed to kind of evoke that reaction, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) if that makes sense. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. This may be the shortest episode ever. Did you watch anything this week? Uh, luckily, I watched a couple things. Okay. Uh, number one, I started rewatching Breaking Bad. Nice. Because uh, I never finished it. I only watched like the first two seasons yeah. and I trailed off and lost track of it. I hate, I hate watching episodes of something on TV. You've been I spoiled. I don't know why. Well, not just spoiled. I even had that problem like before streaming was a thing. I just, I, I'm not going to dedicate a specific hour of my life to watch one fucking episode of one TV show. I don't give a shit how much I like that TV Aww. show. You know, like that's, it's not, I got other shit to do. Sure. I like, I like waiting till the series is out on, um, even back then, get it on DVD and then sit down and watch the whole thing. Not to mention shows like lost and stuff off where every single episode has to end on a cliffhanger. <laughs> Cause then yeah. I'm annoyed and I feel like, 
I feel like to me cliffhangers feel like I didn't get the whole story. Like you you ripped me off. You didn't give me the ending. That doesn't bother me. As long as we're getting that answer within a certain time frame, I'm fine with it. I suppose. Especially series, but like uh, season finales, whenever they end on a cliffhanger, I think are the worst. Because it's TV. You never know if that show's going to get canceled. And do you want that to be your legacy that you ended your fucking show on a fucking cliffhanger? Yeah, but... There's some where people threw like the biggest fit over The Walking Dead when Negan showed up and we don't know who died until the next season. I was like, people, calm the fuck down. It's The Walking Dead. It's not like it's not getting renewed. It's not going to be back. They probably already shot the opening for the next season. So relax. And then they were upset when they did find out who died. I know. What? Come on. <laughs> it's just like, well, you wanted to know. I was going to say, they, that comic book and the show were always good for one thing. They they didn't give a fuck if that's the character you like. <laughs> and, and, oh, I take that back. Unless it was Norman Reedus. Oh, yeah. He'll never die. In which case, they, they would rather just... I don't know what the deal with that particular character is. I think the... They're like suburban housewives will no longer drink Bud Light and watch the show if we fucking <laughs> kill off. That's Norman true. Reedus's character. If you'd been to Horror Hound, uh, probably about five or six years ago, when he was there signing, and all these people, you're like, you don't belong at a horror convention. You saw this was happening, and you're like, I'm gonna go just to meet Norman Reedus. And they're walking around with t-shirts that say Mrs. Norman Reedus on it and stuff. It's like, Jesus. <laughs> or Mrs. Daryl Dixon, I think some of them said. And I'm just like, you know, he's yeah, a fictional character, just... right? Yeah, people people need to chill the fuck out. <laughs> My friend was getting offended because he's like, I see people walking around and it looks like their wife. And she's got the shirt on that says like Mrs. Daryl Dixon. That's just... That's just horrible. I'm just like, dude, calm down. Man, that's probably her hall pad. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I hate that shit for an entire other reason, but that's because I think The Walking Dead ruined horror conventions. Oh, it totally did. I've said that for a while. But I say yeah, they're not. But I say they're good, no longer. They're no longer enjoyable. But I say good for Norman Reedus. Like, if people are willing to pay a hundred bucks for you to sign shit, go for it. Because <laughs> you never know when it'll be over. Speaking. Speaking of which, have you ever been on the website Cameo before? Uh, I know what it is, but I don't. I've never actually gone to it. Uh, I, I went to check it out because I was thinking about maybe getting one of those greetings for Char for her birthday next month. Yeah, but, of right. course, all, all, all the people that I wanted to get aren't on there, which mm-hmm. is weird seeing how, holy fuck, there's a lot of people on there. They are. And they charge like $300 for some bullshit. Actually, actually, I'll tell you what, 90% of them, it's 30 or $35. Oh, well, that's not bad. Right. But then random ones charge way more, and some of them, I don't fucking understand it. Like, Dolph Lundgren charges like $350, and I'm like, I totally get that 25 years ago. But sure. you're Dolph Lundgren, dude. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I want you to put on your Punisher t-shirt and say some weird one-liner. 
I don't, I don't, and I'm not going to pay you three hundred dollars. But man, some people must be paying it if that's how much he's charging. Yeah, it's funny. It's it's interesting because then the, the weird thing though is there's a whole lot of people that you bump into some people who are big names and they're charging like twenty five or thirty five dollars, which just blows my fucking mind. I'm like, okay, now that person has something better to do. I can't believe they're not charging more than that. Why the fuck is that so low? <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. But I like all the random ones. Like the dude who played the Todd on Scrubs. You, mm-hmm. you can have him do one, which that's fucking delightful. <laughs> yeah, have the, have there's, ones that inappropriate. There's some people who I guess just don't much thought into it but they just show their buddies like yeah my wife paid 300 bucks and this guy from this thing that we watch on tv like i don't know say it's like hey look this guy from sons anarchy wished me a happy birthday my wife paid him like 300 bucks like that's not worth 300 bucks to have some guy from sons of anarchy to say hi to you on your birthday right definitely not worth 300 bucks but totally worth $35. So I think those people are on the money. Like, you know, if somebody got me Tony Todd to like fucking put on a candy man trench coat and tell me happy birthday, I'd be like, hee hee hee. (laughs) You know, totally, totally worth 35. I'd save that shit to my computer and rewatch it all the time. On the other hand, if somebody paid Tony Todd $200 to do that, I'd be like, oh, you spent way too fucking much money on Tony Todd. (laughs) Let's see. Oh, Tony Todd's I've, not on here. That's I've bumped into that guy. Conventions. You, you could have just, you could have just bought him a six pack of beer. Okay, here Super we go. Chill, bro. So now you've opened this. Uh, you've opened this can of worms. Now I'm looking. Um, <laughs> Tons so, of wrestlers. Every so wrestler. Brian Austin Green for Beverly Hills 90210. How much do you think he charges? Hasn't really been relevant in forever. Last big thing he was in was Sarah Connor Chronicles. Ugh. But it's 90210, which drives up the price because those are the type of fans that would pay way too much. I'm going to call it 100 bucks. Oh, oh, sir. $500. $500? Yeah. Fuck that. Or you can get Priscilla Presley, who... Uh, I mean, sure, actress. She was in the Naked Gun movies, but I mean, she got underage married to a rock legend. You can get her for a steal at one hundred and fifty dollars. I mean, tell me that's not worth it. I know the thing that was pissing me off is all the people I was like, "Oh, this person is certainly on there." We're not, which was really <laughs> weird. I was like, "I bet Clint Howard's on there," because he's the type of dude that would be like, "Hundred bucks, I'll do something funny." Nope. No, but uh, Sean Astin of Goonies fame is on there. How much do you think he's charging? Three hundred bucks. Two ninety five, <laughs> and then two people down. Ernie Hudson from Ghostbusters. What do you think he's charging? Ernie Hudson. Yeah. Ugh. See, I th- it's going to be one of those three hundred dollar ones, but that makes me sad because Ernie Hudson seems like such a nice guy. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go two hundred dollars. 135. Oh, good. See, that's not so bad. Now, in his profile picture, he's wearing 
the Ghostbuster jumpsuit. So, do you think that 135 is for his personalized message while he's wearing the Ghostbuster jumpsuit? Because I would almost be. expect it. Yes. Some of the crazy Charlie Sheen's like 500 bucks. Yeah, no thanks, Charlie Sheen. Ooh, Judd Nelson, 200 though. I mean, why spend 200 on him when you can have meatloaf for 100 <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> you could have Gilbert Godfrey for 150 I do fucking love Gilbert Godfrey. Or even Mark McGrath for 99 Ooh, Chumley for oh 60 Oh, my God. You can get fucking Fred Stoller for 20 bucks. What's Fred Stoller? Fred Stoller? Oh, my God. He was a regular on Scrubs and on Seinfeld and stuff. He's kind of real famous for his uh, oh, that the way guy. he talks. He, yeah. Yeah, he just like whiny. Yeah, yeah. See, that would probably be worth 20 bucks. Right. Totally worth 20 bucks. <laughs> Huh. But I mean, some some of them are weird because you'd think that they'd be way more like. Uh, so David, uh, David, I can't pronounce his last name. Kochner. Oh, David Keckner. Keckner. Yeah. Two hundred bucks, right? But he's yeah. that dude's fucking famous, like and and steady work. <laughs> when you get Tom Arnold for one hundred twenty-five, I was gonna say. The other thing you have to be careful about is uh, there's a lot of impersonators, so you got to make sure you're not getting a pers- impersonator. Oh, here we go. John you, can Sh- you can get the goop for 175 <laughs> Nice. Well, I know that because they, <laughs> they talked about it on, uh, on um, last week tonight about how sometimes you have to get famous people to say stuff for a certain generation, otherwise they won't listen so they paid Steve Gutenberg multiple times on Cameo to read facts about wearing a mask or something out. That's really funny. Uh, but you can get John Schneider, Dukes of Hazard fame, $400. Uh, is that the one that got in a bunch of trouble? Mm, I don't know. Maybe. If so, I don't remember. Or if you're wondering, how do I feed my dead husband to a tiger? You can get Carol Baskin for $299. <laughs> Ugh. I'm sure she'll tell you. Uh, you could get Gary Busey to yell random nonsense at you for 350 Oh, well, there you go. All right. I can't look at this anymore because I'll just do this all night. You're like, I'm just hiring all these people. Yeah. You can get David Faustino, but from uh, <laughs> Married with Children for 50 bucks. Well, there you go. I bet. I wonder if I could uh, could put a movie together over Cameo. Like, look, I got a $10,000 budget. What kind of stars can I get for $10,000? I just need you to read this one line <laughs> in front of a green screen and just do that over and over and over again. Yeah. Oh, see, here's here's another insane one. Andrew Dice Clay, right? Oh, he used tw- to be 25 bucks. pretty fucking pretty famous, right? Uh, made a couple movies, didn't do so well. I know he's still pretty popular in a couple foreign countries, but you're saying twenty by about two ninety nine. <laughs> Fuck no, I'm not. I'm not. Right. Not paying two ninety nine. I, I'm not a hundred percent sure that I would pay Andrew Dice Clay three hundred dollars to come and do a thirty minute set. No, and I think I think he's funny. Still wouldn't do it. Even a set over Zoom, 
So essentially what he's already doing, if he just did it for half an hour, still not worth it. Mm. So I guess as you were saying, you were watching Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah, watching Breaking Bad. So I'm most of the way through the first season. Mm. Uh, I forgot how delightful that is. Like the the part where the his fucking idiot assistant tries to dissolve the guy in the bathtub and falls oh. through the fucking floor. Fucking Jesse. I love Jesse. What a great fucking gore effect that is. It's so gross. Oh, man. It's it's nasty. It's horror movie nasty. Mm. Uh, and then I sat down and I decided I wanted to watch something a little different and a little violent. So uh, I watched uh, Fistful of Dollars. Nice. Because I have, I have the, the man with no name blu-ray box set as do i man I, I haven't watched any of them yet god damn it that movie's so fucking it's so fucking good and it in that it it almost surprises me every time because so i do not like the western genre i just don't it's not it's not my fucking thing i don't know you loved love young guns when I, we did it yeah <laughs> but that's what i'm saying i i mean even Tombstone, where you've got a bunch of great actors turning in great performances. I'm still like, ah, I just it's not my fucking thing. I like to bone Tomahawk, but arguably it's only a western for the first half. Sure, but but man, Fistful of Dollars is just so fucking good because it's in that weird that weird vein of movie where there's no character development to be seen, which is odd. In a film, and it's it's even more odd in a good film if that makes sense, because usually that's the the driving force. But just the uh, I don't know something about the the violence and the cinematography and those those weird, almost over the shoulder shots of him gunning people down. Hmm. So good. I don't know everything about it. I fucking love that movie. Yeah. I keep the the funny thing is I got the box set and I keep meaning to sit down and watch all of them because I think I've seen most of them before. But every time I sit down, it's been like three or four months, and I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I'm gonna watch Fistful of Dollars again. <laughs> just watch, just watch Clint Eastwood kill the shit out of people in some stolen props. Yeah, you never. I don't. Gonna... I don't did, did you, do you know anything about that film, about all the weird shit? Uh, not really. It's kind of, there's there's a bunch of really interesting, brilliant stuff about it. So first of all, if you if you pay attention to like certain things like uh, uh, Clint Eastwood's guns and his boots and several other things, they are absolutely from the TV show he was on. <laughs> oh, yeah. He just like took them and used them because it was a... You know, uh, a fistful of dollars is a low budget yeah. uh, European Western. Mm-hmm. And all of the great cinematography in it, and, and the reason why it, it became such a hit was because of this weird, visceral violence that wasn't really present in Westerns whenever it was made. And the reason why all that is, is because the director of the movie didn't know shit about shooting westerns you just didn't know like if you watch these interviews with him, he's like, I, I didn't know what i was doing so 
you know, the way the way everybody shot Westerns was somebody would shoot a gun and then you would cut and you would see the other guy go ah and, and fall down. And instead he was like, I didn't know that's what we were supposed to do. So, you know, we would just put the camera behind him and he would start shooting and people would start screaming and blood would come out of him. Because <laughs> you know I mean? he's like, because that's what it would look like if somebody shot a bunch of people. Well, I mean, it's not wrong. Yeah, and then the fact that that movie is essentially, like most Westerns, just a stolen plot of a Japanese movie <laughs> is pretty funny. If I remember right, they actually got sued pretty bad. And they, there's a bunch of weird stuff. They ended up settling and all this kind of stuff. But the the guy who made oh – God, I wish I could remember the name of it. The guy who made the Japanese movie ended up making more money – off a fistful of dollars that he made <laughs> making the original movie. Seems about right. But yeah, hi. Once again, highest recommend. If you, if you've never seen, if you're like me and you don't like westerns and you've never seen the uh, the Man with No Name series, you should fucking watch this movies because they are great. Yeah, I bought I bought the box set because I had never seen any of them. Um, and I still haven't got the box set out. I've caught uh, some of a fistful of dollars on TV, but I still haven't sat down to watch the whole thing. Yeah, if you got that Blu-ray, pop, pop that Blu-ray in because it's it's yeah. nice. I did watch uh, High Plains Drifter, which I recommend if you haven't uh, seen that one before. It's where he's uh, off the top of my head. Stranger that comes in and basically takes over the town because everybody was being assholes and basically rules them with an iron fist. To sort of teach them all a lesson. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, yeah, the town's name is Hell, and then this mysterious stranger, played by Clint Eastwood, big stretch for him, uh, comes into town and basically just takes over and, like, <laughs> makes the entire town do stuff for him. And then by the end, he yeah. makes them paint the town, literally paint the town red, <laughs> and then starts shooting everybody. There's just it's such a weird fucking thing that so Clint Eastwood played a, a fucking one dimensional character through I don't know what half half his career he basically played that guy that that western guy who is just the cigar chomping squinty I'll kill you guy. Mm-hmm. Which is so weird to think about because he's such a fucking great actor. He's a great actor, and he's he's a fucking amazing director. It's just it's always weird to think about somebody who is so locked into one thing for so long, and you want to be like, you guys wasted his fucking career because he could have been <laughs> just one. Of, you know what I mean? One of the greats, and instead he's that westerns guy. That mm-hmm. directed Mystic River, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Dirty Harry. Yeah. Uh, did you watch anything else? That was it. That's all I had time for this this week. All right. Well, I watched a couple things. Um, so uh, Joe Bob had a uh, sleepover summer special on the other day. Nice. Uh, so they showed. Slumber Party Massacre 2. Uh, I was guessing that one. Which I only caught part of. Um, and then he had Victor Crowley on, which is the fourth Hatchet movie. 
and pretty much had like the entire cast on in a slumber that's party. That's crazy. Setting. That's that's pretty new, isn't it? Yeah, like 2018, 2017. Yeah. Huh. I was gonna say that's a, that's a little new for a Joe Bob. Yeah, but I think it's new to Shutter, so I think it's a cross promotion type situation. Um, like I said, the entire cast and uh, the director Adam Green, who I'm a fan of, was on, so I gave that a watch and uh, still uh, still think it's probably the the worst of the four, but it's not terrible. It's just I really like Hatchet Ones a lot, and then I really like Hatchet Three. So then, when they did Hatchet 4, they shot it in secret, and they had a very, very, very small budget, so they literally shot it on a set. So I feel like it's just, it doesn't doesn't have the fun uh, production value that the other ones had, so it just kind of bums me out. I'm hoping, hoping we get another one with a bigger budget that... Uh, I've actually only ever seen the first one. Yeah. It's one of those ones, like, and I liked it. I keep meaning to watch the rest of them, but it just it never fucking crosses my mind. Yeah. Well, I thought two was pretty good. I mean, two was okay, and then I thought three was pretty good. Um, and then I was excited for this one. And like I said, I think just some of the limitations didn't help it. So, which is a bummer because <clears throat> I know they shot at least one of them actually down in New Orleans and it worked really well. The first one, I think they shot a lot of it in California, but at least hit it in such a way that it looked really good. I don't know. So, yeah, I don't know. If you have Shutter, you can watch the Joe Bob version and that's kind of fun. So they talk about a lot of, uh, a lot of the weird stuff in it because... <laughs> So, like, I own it on digital because I bought it when it first came out because I'm a completist. And I knew there was nudity in it. But then when they went to show it, they were commenting about how there, there, there was nudity in the movie, but it had to be cut out for this version, and they were going to find out why. And when they asked Adam Green about it, apparently, in, you know, the usual fuckery, uh, because in the movie, there is, uh, there's a guy doing a book signing and this girl comes up, you know, does the whole sign my boobs thing and pulls her shirt up. And then right after her, this gross internet troll looking guy walks up and tells him he wants to sign his dick. So he whips his dick out. And of course, <laughs> the, the guy's not going to sign. He's like, what are you a homophobe or something? And then, you know, whatever. Um, and apparently they were told by whoever that with these streaming platforms, if you have male nudity in it, as in junk, you cannot be featured on the new release featured section or something like that. So they decided, well, if we have to pull the male nudity out of it, we're pulling the female nudity out of it too. So they took the one shot of boobs and the one shot of dick and just took them both out. So I, I weirdly agree with that. Yeah, no, I mean yeah, he I talks about say, if you're if you're going to censor one, censor the rest. Fuck them. Yep. 
Yeah. No, he said that he was he was making a point by having the male nudity in there in the first place. About how the girl pulling up her shirt, everybody's like, ooh. And then the guy whips out his dick and everybody's like, no, no, what are you doing? So, yeah, if they're going to make... You know, if they're going to make them take out one, they're just going to get rid of the nudity altogether. So it's weird. I thought thought we were at a point where you could just release your shit on streaming and then, you know, not have to worry about censorship and shit. But apparently it's still a problem. So we'll see. I I think the problem the problem is, is I think whenever streaming became a thing, everybody saw it as a ha ha. We're finally getting rid of the gatekeepers. Mm -hmm. And I don't think what anybody realized is it they were actually just going ha ha ha. We're installing new gatekeepers. Yeah, pretty much. Um, instead of <sighs> instead of having a few giant tyrants, now we have a thousand little tyrants. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're into that kind of stuff, check out Joe Bob, Victor Crowley. If anything, it's worth it. Like he said, he has pretty much the entire cast as much as possible. And then Adam Green, the direct writer and director on. So you get to hear lots of stories and fun stuff. So worth a watch. Um, the other movie I watched, we were bored and we're just looking for something fun to watch. And we saw, since we have uh, HBO and Showtime, sometimes we check the premium movies to see you know what's been added since the last time we checked. If there's anything we were wanting to see in theaters and just didn't get around to, if anything popped up. And uh, we were looking for something, and we saw the movie Stuber was on there. Which what, what movie? Stuber. So, uh, Kamel Nanjiani... The pretty hilarious uh, okay. Indian, Indian comic. Yeah. He's an Uber driver. Um, and gets a weird request to pick up this guy who is a police officer played by Dave Batista. Good old Dave. And okay. Dave just had LASIK eye surgery. But then got a call that this... Um, drug dealer gangster whatever guy he's been after for like years because he killed his partner um is doing a deal and he can't drive because he can't see very well so he called an uber and and then Camille gets pretty much stuck carton carton batista around for the entire day to different crime scenes and getting, <laughs> getting involved in shit you know it's it's the ridiculous. Basically, it's an '80s uh, comedy uh, setup, just made like a couple years ago, and uh, it's actually a lot funnier. I, don't know, than I gotta, it's gotta be. I was gonna say it's gotta be fucking hilarious. It's Camille yeah. Nanjiani's real funny and Batista's yeah. real funny. Yeah, it's it's way better than uh, either one of us had hoped it would be. So. We had a great time watching it. We were, we were dying laughing, and uh, yeah, it's weird. I I made a post on Facebook about how like it's weird. I never would have thought that Batista would be the wrestler turned actor that I would be super excited to watch a movie. Yeah, holy <laughs> holy shit! Who would have right? thought? And I, and I mean, and it's 
he's kind of a double threat because he does pretty good serious acting too. Oh yeah, and he's really really fucking funny, mm-hmm. which I think puts him uh, a step ahead of old uh, John Cena. Oh, for sure. Because I I haven't seen John Cena do any dramatic acting that I was like, oh, that was really good. And but anytime he's in like a comedy, being a a fucking idiot or an asshole, you're like, okay, that's really funny. Yeah. Yeah, now Dave Dave can do both. If you watch, was it Blade Runner 2049? Like that opening scene with Batista in it, he is, he fucking knocks it out of the park. Right. Yeah. So it's really funny and uh, worth a watch. Um, basically, Amanda was just like, we need to find everything that Camille's in and just watch it. Because, like... We've enjoyed him on stuff we've seen already, but this one, like we watched this and we watched Lovebirds recently, and we're like, this dude's just killing it lately. So we have to, we have to hunt down more stuff that he's in and give it a watch. Andy's gonna be in Marvel once. I know. Once movies are back. Yeah, yeah. I listen to a podcast called Kingcast about Stephen King stuff, and they have people come on and talk about their favorite adaptations. And he was actually on the very first episode movie was he talking about and uh they commented about how since nothing's going on all he's doing is sitting at home just getting ripped for his marvel movie uh he's gigantic have you seen oh, pictures yeah. of him oh totally i've i've seen it it's like incredible uh yeah camille did the running man that's what it was oh nice yeah no, he's totally ripped. Like, it's incredible. It's pretty funny. Is that They were doing some interview, and he got a bunch of slack for this, that he was doing an interview, and they asked him how he got in that shape. And he basically was talking about, like, people shouldn't look at that and be excited because it's unrealistic. Mm-hmm. And people were like, of course you can. You did it. You just work out. And he's like, yeah, but, like, I'm an actor. I literally had a personal trainer and a dietitian and all the hours of every day of my life to work out to to, to be shaped like this right now. Yeah. And he was like and even then it's kind of miserable. Yeah. That's what that's what I commented when uh, they did the first Ant-Man movie. And Paul Rudd's never been like out of shape, but it's obvious that he got in like really good shape for that movie. Right. And then he did uh the Wet Hot American Summer, what is it, first 10 years or 10 years or oh, yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. whatever the first one was. And he was still on Ant-Man first, shape. It's it's the first day of camp. First day of camp, that's what it was. And he was still on Ant-Man shape. And there's a point where he's making a point and he does push-ups. And I commented, I'm like, those look like the easiest push-ups I've ever seen anybody do. Because <laughs> he's, still, he's still got that Ant-Man muscle going on. Right. Uh, well, I guess that's it. Are you, are you excited for Bill and Ten? Another week? Uh, I am. My friend, uh, Mr. Carlson, Michael Carlson, my firefighter friend, who has a giant wiffle ball field in his backyard because he's ridiculous, um, has been putting a screen up back there and watching movies outside. And I actually got a phone call from him today asking if we wanted to come over next Friday when it drops and watch it out on the big screen, almost like backyard drive-in style. 
And I was Man. like, fuck yeah, I do. So I can kind of. I, I wish I could come to that. <laughs> I, I, I can kind of actually see it like in a drive in setting instead of just renting it on uh, VOD. So. Yeah, this shit's weird. I don't. The, the movement, I don't, I don't think they figured out what they're doing yet, and I think they're doing it wrong because yeah. shit's getting weird. Because what, what is it? Something just dropped on Disney Plus where they're like, yeah, this is going to Disney Plus, but you can't watch it. You have to buy it for $30 in oh. addition to your monthly subscription. Yeah, let's get that to Mulan. They're, they're trying this out where they're basically yeah, you're, you're going to exclusively be able to. And it's actually purchase it. You can purchase it for $30 to watch it. But my point was, okay, you're going to spend 30 bucks to watch it. But then what are you going to do like three months later when it just becomes part of Disney plus and anybody can watch it for free. Right. Right. You've accomplished nothing. And yeah. unless they're saying they're going to start making exclusive freemium content yeah. in which if, if that's what they're going to do, I'll drop my fucking subscription and they can go fuck themselves. Yeah. I mean, don't get don't get me wrong. Disney did a great thing by making it so cheap, mm-hmm. but but I'm not gonna. I, I ain't playing those fucking games. No, like I, it's either a subscription service or it's not a subscription sure. service. I feel like we're just in this weird spot since that was supposed to be in theaters, but then right, they're know. adapting. Yeah, and maybe this will prove that that's not going to work. But then I've seen other people be like, well. For me and my kids, when we go, we spend more than thirty bucks just to get tickets. So, I'll buy I mean, it for thirty bucks. That's what I'm saying. I mean, certain things they like hit me in the right spot. Like uh, on Voodoo, fucking Bloodshot went on sale. You know, after they were done with their, you know, renting it for twenty dollars shit, they were like, "You, you yeah. can buy it for fourteen And I was like, "Sold." Haven't oh, yeah. seen it yet. Brand new movie. I don't give a fuck. I'll spend. I'll spend fifty bucks on a movie oh yeah yeah when they were doing the whole you can rent the invisible man for 20 i was like i'm not doing that but then when they were like oh well, you can buy it for 15 and i was like oh okay i'll buy it no problem with that i'm just not not paying yeah. you 20 bucks to watch it once and then be like well it's pretty good maybe i'll buy it i just if somebody was i I was talking to a few people about that, and they were like, that's insane. You go to the movie theater all the time, and you spend that much money to go to the movie theater. And I wanted to be like, yeah. But so the movie theater provides me a big screen, a state-of-the-art sound system, and they clean up after me whenever I fucking leave. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm paying for all that stuff. Like, I like the movie theater. I'm paying to use their movie theater. Like only part of it is me paying to see the movie. Yeah. But if I'm spending $30 at home, I'm spending twice as much to not get any of that stuff. Fuck that. (laughs) Like I would rather wait a year and buy that movie for $15. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, All right. I guess for next week, um. So it's my turn to pick movies. As I'm looking at this movie list, it's it's dwindling. It is dwindling, and I feel like because of that, I mean, it's just time. It's just time to pull the trigger. 
I think it's finally time for Masters of the Universe and Cyborg. Uh, my God. <laughs> Doug's not going to believe it when I tell him. He's going to be so... He's going to be mad. He's going to be like, I can't believe... Turn turn your key, sir. Turn your key, sir. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That's, that's crazy. I can't believe that's coming off. Yeah, it's been sitting number two on the list. Which means it's been there since we created the list whenever we started this 140 I, I episodes ago. I think it ago. was the first one. I think it was actually the first one we came up with. It's possible. So there's only one before it, which is Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat. That'll have its day, but and not you, today. You know what? That might that might be the week after. Oh. A little sneak preview, keep maybe. That, keep, keep that fucking uh, that Van Damme going. <laughs> that's true it just one just bleeds right into the other yeah so <clears throat> we're gonna do masters of the universe the first attempt at he-man that i don't know for all intents and purposes went off the rails see if it has any redeeming quality <laughs> and then followed up with cyborg which has a weird connection to masters of the universe we'll uh, talk about next week the tones <laughs> <laughs> God, I own Masters of the Universe on DVD, but I don't think I've watched it in 20 years, maybe. That's crazy. Uh, that's one I actually rewatch that every once in a while. I People have their problems with it, but I, mm. I enjoy it. We'll see. See how it goes. They've been working on another movie like forever. It's been scrapped so many times. Yeah. And now it looks like Kevin Smith's doing a He-Man cartoon for netflix yeah some uh, revival cartoon yeah which which supposedly is going to uh be a direct sequel to the uh not not the original series because the original series you know didn't really have a continuing plot yeah but that uh, the first revival series where they finally gave it an arc oh yeah the one cartoon network did Right. If I if I understand correctly, it's it's that. It's just going to continue that story. Nice. I need to go back and watch all of that. I remember enjoying it, and then something happened. I don't think I had cable for a while, so I ended up missing it. And then I re- then I watched the uh Thundercats reboot and was actually enjoying it. Was, it. And then the story was real good. I fucking hated the artwork. Yeah, I think that's about that's about where I was too. But I remember just being like, oh, man, they're fucking, like, changing all this shit. But then being like, oh, well, this is actually pretty good. But yeah, the the sort of anime-style animation they did with it, I remember not being a huge fan, but... I dislike it. I dislike the anime look of stuff. Uh-huh. I, I just wish every once in a while we could get, like, a traditional... Uh, like western style animation mm-hmm. it's it feels like it's dead like it's been dead since the 80s like that's just not a thing you can have now yeah. your choice is anime or uh something that's animated in that uh what the, what the fuck is it called like the flash art style the uh like they do with archer and all those shows oh yeah yeah, yeah which once called. again and and that's and that's fine too. Like it's it's got its place. I just kind of I like what I like, and I wish they would do that. 
Yeah, one of the things I liked that they were doing with like the DC animated stuff was they were I mean they were taking uh comic runs and then adapting the art style to the artist who worked on that run. Yeah, which is kind of smart. Yeah, and I kind of liked how they were doing that, but then they kind of went away from it and just gave everything sort of a generic anime type feel to it. Oh, see, right back into the pooper. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.